This is Adam McGrath from Caven, and you're listening to The New Scene. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The New Scene. I am your host, Keith, and we are back with a brand new episode. And folks, we've got an exciting one today. On the show, Nika Danilova of Zola Jesus. That's right, folks. I have spoken to Nika, and it's a great conversation. We discuss her history. We discuss her new album, Archon. We discuss traveling to Turkey to film the incredible music videos for the album. All of that and more is coming up momentarily, folks, so strap in. And now I'm going to tell you how you can support the show, and you're going to do it because you have to. I mean, you just have to. Follow the new scene on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at New Scene Pod. I'm trying to get us over 3,700 followers on Instagram. So if you're not following me, do it. New Scene Pod. Follow our main and clips YouTube channels. Just search the new scene or the new scene clips. They're linked in the channels on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channels if you're not subscribed. Hit that like button. Leave a comment. All of that goes a long way. You can support this podcast directly with your funds by purchasing the new scene shirt. Head on over to the store at Deathwish Inc. and search the new scene. The shirt will pop right up. And reviews, folks. I am asking for reviews still. We got to get over 100. We just have to. But we're getting closer. We are at 77 Apple Podcast reviews and 72 Spotify reviews. So if you like the show, even if you don't like the show, come on, just do it. Open up your Apple Podcast or or Spotify application. Hit that five-star button. It's really going to help out. And folks, support our sponsor, the wonderful iodine recordings as always there's a lot happening over at iodine her heads on fire have a video premiere over at new noise for their single burn check out the video check out the band you're gonna love it members of garrison saves the day and others and folks this is just announced orange island have a collection of songs coming out called one night stay and this features tracks that have been out of print for over 15 years. You're going to want to pick this up. It's for fans of Glassjaw, Thursday, The Movie Life, and similar bands. You're going to love this. Pre-orders are up for One Night Stay. Get it. Listen to it. You want it. You need it. Let's do this, folks. Let's do this. And I have a music recommendation for you. And folks, I'm not kidding around here. Zola Jesus, Desire, This track has been on repeat. It's one of the singles that's out right now for Zola Jesus's upcoming album, Archon. Desire, folks. Desire. I have added that and some other tracks to our new scene, Spotify 2022 playlist. Search it if you're on Spotify. Check it out. Check out Zola Jesus. Check out the song Desire. Check out the other singles. You have to. You just have to. All right, folks, let's not wait any longer. Check back in with me at segment three for more. But right now, we are going to speak to Nika Danilova of Zola Jesus. Enjoy. 
Right, folks, we're here now with Nika Danilova. Nika, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Absolutely. It is wonderful to have you here, Nika. You know, you have created so much wonderful music over the years, and we are about to get more because you are releasing Archon in June later this month on Sacred Bones, and we're going to talk about all of that. But first, Nika, I want to ask you, how are you doing today? Hmm, I'm good. Busy, but good. Um, happy to be busy at home. It's a good place to be busy. So Yes, you're back in Wisconsin now, right? You've been there for a little bit? Yep, yep, I've been here on and off. Um, but yeah, throughout the pandemic, I was here. So what are you busy with at home? Oh, just doing things like this interview, preparing <laughs> a lot for the release of the record, shipping records that I have sold to patrons, and preparing for tour, doing interviews, doing myriads of things, making mixes, doing radio shows, et cetera, et cetera. There's always something to do, (laughs) it seems. And when there's not that, there's taking the dog out. Yeah, yeah. It sounds, wow, that sounds like a lot. So you're actually shipping out records yourself and everything for the Patreon? Yeah, yeah. So I do that and I run the Patreon myself. So all of that is, it's kind of like a part-time job, but, um, but it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I want to get into that at some point, but I'm extremely lazy and I don't like going to the post office, so, you know, it's not going to happen yet. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I saw your the property you live on looks pretty impressive. I saw that you had a visitor in the form of a giant bear recently. That must have been exciting. Yeah, well, now I'm a little worried about letting my dog out because the bear um, defecated about like 50 feet from my front door. I feel like a turf war is brewing like for serious. I'm a little concerned. I think he's hungry, but yeah, I'm trying to stave that guy off right now. <laughs> Do you get a lot of interesting wildlife around there? Yeah. I mean, I've got, got, we've gotten our fair share of bears. Um, I get deer, um, turkeys, which I find to be very annoying. They're very annoying. And lots of different types of birds and and little little things um uh like fishers and martins and little rodent guys. Any raccoons? Not many raccoons, but we have coyotes. I'll hear coyotes at night. Uh, 
but no, none of like the the yeah no raccoons actually lots of squirrels though squirrels are good i like squirrels so see i i would get into trouble if i lived where you live i would be feeding the bear and i would try to become friends with it and it would probably turn into a bad situation well that is sort of happening with me because i have a habit of um if there's like produce that has gotten too old i will just throw it into the woods for like because i know there's deer and stuff but I, I don't think you're supposed to do that. Like, I think it's bad, but um, I feel really guilty doing anything else with it. So, um, but I think the beer, the bear has started to, to take on my apples and carrots and stuff. And so I'm a little concerned that I might be feeding the bear indirectly and bringing it closer, but oh well. You might become close friends with the bear. You never know. It could be good. Could be cute. Could be a whole thing. We could have a sitcom. Exactly. How do you like it there? Do you feel isolated ever? You know, like sometimes I picture myself moving somewhere more rural, but I like I like having access to the city just in case I feel like doing something, you know? Yeah, I do miss things. I miss culture. I miss being around like-minded people. I'm in a very rural part of America. Not a lot of like-minded people around here, but I come here to escape really because I travel so much and I just kind of know that that's going to be a part of my life forever. Just that's just how I operate. I really enjoy traveling. And when I lived in a city, I didn't feel like I could ever reset from the traveling because um, I'm usually touring in cities and stuff like that. So being here, having a home that's like removed, it just feels like my act, my home is vacation and my work is like how other people live. Cause you know, my, my, my workload is very different in that way. So it's kind of like a citadel, like after tours or after traveling for a long time, I'll come back and it just feels so like relaxing. It's, it's a little hermit hermitage works for me. You know what? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Cause you're out touring the world all the time. All the venues are in cities or close to. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I started, I mean, I lived in cities for a while. I even lived in downtown Seattle for a couple of years and it was fun, but I, I at some point I just got bored of living in an apartment in a city, and I'm kind of an extremist. So if I if I live in like the country, I want to live on like a hundred acres, and so <laughs> it was just easier <laughs> to move home and and cheaper to move to move back to where I grew up and build a build a little house than um try to find a hundred acres in the Seattle area. Lord knows that's not going to happen. No, forget about it. I'm in Brooklyn and there's no way I'm ever going to own property here. It's just not going to happen. I know. And it sucks because, you know, you have a, such a deeper, I, I feel like it's easy. It was easier for me to have a deeper connection to land when I lived on a piece of land or when you live in an apartment that you don't even own. It's like, it's good for so many reasons that I really miss uh, and so convenient, but you don't have that relationship with the land as much, which, you know, there's, pros and cons to everywhere you live. So, Absolutely. So talk about some of your getting started in music. When did you take an interest in music and how did you get started writing and then performing? Um, I had just been naturally interested in music since I was a child. Uh, I just always was singing, running around the woods, running around the house, making up songs, living in a little musical dream world. And I quickly became like my way of processing what I was thinking or feeling is sometimes just like singing it, saying it is like very therapeutic for me. So I did that a lot. And then I realized that I love music. So then I studied piano when I was like seven and then I studied violin and then I studied voice, like classical voice. 
and that hooked me because voice was my first instrument and um it'll be my last you know like it's it's my it, it, it yeah it's my way of communicating so that's stuck and i wanted to become an opera singer because of course that's the ultimate singing that you do is opera um and so my dream was to go to Juilliard and just, you know, live on the Metropolitan Opera stage. And, um, but then I encountered a lot of anxiety with my voice. Like I would lose my voice before recitals and stuff. So, um, this was like in, when I was a kid, a child, and I realized that my anxiety was so bad and my insecurity and the self-criticism and the discipline that it takes to be a classical musician is, is so intense for someone that young. So I kind of fell out of love with with singing. Um, but then when I did that, I started to fall in love with like punk and industrial and noise music. Um, and then from there, I started to develop my own musical language and I started singing again. But this time it was like on my own terms. And I was inspired by women like Diamanda Galas or Patty Waters or Meredith Monk, like people that did things with their their voices that wasn't all about the technique necessarily like it's extended technique stuff or an idiosyncratic technique and that was so much more inspiring to me and exciting because it took the pressure off me to have to do things correctly <laughs> all the time um <laughs> that like it freed me and so then i started zola jesus as a project to basically just make whatever i wanted to make like it didn't have to be repertoire it didn't have to be puccini or whatever like it could be it could be anything. And that was so freeing. And so then I just got addicted to it. And now like 12 years later, I'm still, I still have a musical act called Zola Jesus. <laughs> so it still works for me, I guess. It's funny how that happens, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's something to, it, it just sticks and you realize you're a lifer and then you're just like, okay, well, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I found that same thing in punk music. I loved music. And I kind of tried to start playing guitar, but it didn't really work out. I just gave up. And But then once I discovered the punk scene and all that stuff and saw that my friends were in bands and performing and everybody had this equipment and they were doing it, I was like, whoa, like I could do this. They're doing it. I could do it. It seemed real after that. Totally. Yeah. And it's like, it's empowering to realize that like you have the power to make music that, um, that is accessible to you at the time, you know, because Music doesn't have to be one way or the other. It can really be whatever you want it to be. That's the beauty of art. So that's awesome. How was it when you got started? I mean, was it just like you and a piano figuring things out? Like, what were the early days of your songwriting like? Oh, yeah, me and a cheap keyboard from Best Buy, like a, a Yamaha, just like consumer grade keyboard with like little beats and demos and a bunch of random sounds. And I hooked that up to a four track and then ran that into audacity on my computer. This was like in 2008, 2007 around there. Um, and a microphone and some distortion pedals and echo delay pedals. And from there, I just, you know, thank goodness that lo-fi was popular at the time because it was so accessible to make music that was interesting to me. Like it was all just about doing things as cheaply as possible and trying to like build textures with random sounds, jangling keys, pots and pans, like whatever you had your, whatever you could have your hands on. And so the, um, from there I just like grew and then I started to get more interested in the technical side of things and then started to use like logic and Ableton and all that stuff. And then, you know, things evolved from there. Nice. So was it just you by yourself doing this? Yes. It was just me by myself. 
I love that, you know, because for so long, I wanted to be in bands and I just couldn't figure out how to do it. And I mean, this is like some years before Ableton and Logic and all that stuff. But, you know, just just the fact that you took the initiative and worked with the tools you have and just got this done, I think it's great. I, I, I wish I could have done that, but I too was plagued by anxiety and fear and a lot of other things. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, I think it, it did take a lot, of, a lot of initiative, but it was so exciting to have that control and that um, autonomy that I was like, finally, because before that, before I discovered the idea of like multi-track recording or using computers, like I thought that I would have to be a one-man band and I just didn't understand how to do that. I was like, because I wasn't really like, I'm, I'm quite an introvert. So even though I have a lot of friends and a lot of friends that are musicians, I'm not a, I wasn't a jammer. Like I'm, I am i did not become a jammer until like this year really, because I just was, it was, everything was so idiosyncratic. I couldn't like adapt to other people's styles and stuff. So having that full control was like so perfect. Yeah. Do you find that you work better mostly by yourself? Definitely. Because when I work with other people, I can be a bit of a people pleaser. And so then I like don't actually advocate for what like my creative ideas are. And I just assume that their ideas are better or that like they'll think my idea sucks. So um, it's not actually fun for me to collaborate sometimes because it doesn't end up feeling like collaborative. It just feels like I end up like, just doing whatever they want <laughs> and then being like, I don't know. Does it sound good? <laughs> no, I like what you did better. Let's do that. Like that. Yeah. So working alone, it's like, it's all on me. So I get to really like dictate everything and I feel more comfortable. I feel you on that because, you know, in all my years of being in bands, it would, I would always be a person in the band, but then the band would end for one reason or another. And I'd be stuck without a band again. And I'd be like, damn, like, so now that I can do things by myself with software or this podcast or whatever else, it's really the best thing. And I'm like, I really like working by myself because I don't have to argue with anybody except myself, you know? Totally. Yeah. Because once you work with other people, like unless there's rules that are set or there's like a particular dynamic that works can just be really too many cooks in the kitchen or confusing about how to like divide up the responsibilities of music and art. Like, I don't know, especially if you don't agree on something, but I do think collaboration is amazing, but um, it took me a long time to get comfortable to do that. Yeah, I don't like jamming either. I I need to I need to have an idea. Or if we're just like aimlessly pounding away trying to figure something out, it doesn't work for me. No, me neither. Okay, so you're writing music by yourself, you're figuring things out. When did you start performing? When did this all start coming together? Um, well, I started making songs and putting them up on MySpace, as we all know and love. Um, <laughs> and um then I started getting show offers. So I played, my first show was in the basement of like a pizza place in Madison. This was when I was like 20 or 19. It, the show probably, like, I can't, I, I don't know how it sounded, but it was, I know all my friends that were there, like, as I came off stage, they looked at me with um, a lot of awkward embarrassment. So I <laughs> assume that it was a total disaster, but um <laughs> I realized that like I couldn't play and sing at the same time. Like I would get too excited just with the singing that I would, I would forget to keep playing like the keyboard and then the music would stop. It's like, I didn't, <laughs> I can't. And from then on, I was like, you know what I need to, you know, even if I write these songs myself, I really need to perform them with other people so I can just focus on enjoying it because I do love to perform. Like it's quite a thrill, but not when I have to hold everything down. That was like really, I was incapable of doing that. <laughs> 
that. <laughs> God bless. It's hard. I imagine it's really hard to play piano and sing because once in a while I'll try to figure out a song on piano and it's just it's just impossibly hard. You you got to be like really trained for that. Especially cuz piano is a rhythm instrument and so so much of it is about playing or you know matching the rhythms and and making sure nothing's getting crossed and everything fits together. So yeah, it's hard. It takes a lot of work. <laughs> So did you draft some other people to play live with you? Yeah. So I eventually got my, you know, my boyfriend at the time to play guitar and my brother played a tom drum, like one drum, like a kind of like a tribal tom drum. And then I had another friend who has played bass and we kind of put together this little, you know, band and ended up playing some radio shows and stuff like that and playing some shows. And then the band kept changing from there. So it sounds like pretty early on, things were picking up, which is great. You have this music on MySpace, you're getting show offers, like things are moving along. Yeah, it did seem pretty organic. And um, because I was a college student at the time in Madison, there was a really good scene in Ma- like music scene in Madison um, for experimental music. And because the scene was so small, it was so um, eclectic. So you had a bill of like, a power violence band playing with like a drone, like a 15 person drone group playing with, you know, um, extended technique trumpet playing with like a black metal band. And then like, I would get thrown in there somewhere. (laughs) Um, but the music was all really diverse, but also like a lot of heads, like a lot of like people that were into really cool, good music. And so I I came up in a really good scene that was really supportive of the community and like, there are shows always happening at like churches and synagogues and co-ops and houses, so many house parties. So it was just like such an amazing environment to start getting into making music because there was just like so many people around to support you. I love that. Yeah, I was going to ask about what kind of shows you were playing because, you know, for me, it's just mostly like hardcore and hardcore adjacent shows. So I was wondering where you kind of fit into the whole thing. Yeah, I ended up getting into some scenes, basically like the noise scene, which was also like the um, the experimental like loop pedal scene. You know, it was like it was anything and everything, basically. And but all quite experimental. I think that says a lot about you and your music as well, that you can be on all these different kinds of shows and go over well with people. Yeah, because, you know, at the end of the day, it's just about, like, the vibe, and it's about, and by that I mean it's about kind of what you stand for, you know? And I think at the end of it, like, if if you stand for the same things, the music can be whatever it is. Like, we all have open ears. Like, we're living in a postmodern world, but it's like, if you're around like minds, like, it's absorbed in, in, like, a deep way, you know, no matter what the style is. It's because people, like, in that scene just know how to listen to different types of music. And um, and that felt really comforting. It's like I didn't need to choose. I didn't need to pick a genre in a way. No, I totally feel you on that. I can just look at other artists and kind of tell if we're on the same page or not. And I like that. I like to be surrounded with like-minded people and people who support the same things I do. And, you know, it's a bonus. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's so it fosters so much creativity when you can feel like you're around people that that get what you do. A hundred percent. 
So when did things start to pick up for Zola Jesus? I mean, you eventually signed with Sacred Bones, right? I'm sure you saw uh, things start to pick up after that. Yeah, so I put out my first um, record on Sacred Bones called The Spoils, which was still very noisy. It was kind of like still within the realm of how I started making music, which was quite lo-fi. And then after that, they were like, they invited me to South by Southwest. And they said, can you get us an EP by by that time to be able to tour on that or, or whatever? So I was like, okay. So over winter break, I, you know, just punched out some songs but but I was like trying new gear at that time. I was trying Logic, and so the music sounded really different. And um, I had my friend Alex DeGroat, who had just graduated from audio school, to like help me record my vocals and mix everything. And so it sounded different. It sounded a little bit better <laughs> than the Spoils. So that became Stridulum. I went to South by Southwest, played some shows. Now I'm on a label. I have like my community is growing in terms of like the people that are supporting what I do. And then I end up going to like New York, playing some shows, some DIY shows at like Silent Barn and um, Cake Shop and places like that. And then um, things start growing a little bit more. And then like, but when Stridulum came out, I think in uh, the single night got written up on Pitchfork and some like blogs. And at the time, like the blogs ruled everything. That's when people were like, oh, like this person is like, whatever. Like I broke out of my little community and into a new new sphere, which was cool and also really just intense for someone that still hadn't graduated from college. (laughs) (laughs) So you're in college the whole time that you're doing all this? Yeah. Yeah. How do you balance the two? I mean, I'm, I'm a psycho. Like I can handle, I can handle it. Like it's easier. (laughs) Sometimes it's easier for me to handle a lot going on than, than, than not a lot. Um, so I was, you know, I was making it work, but it, it was hard. I basically just skated through school. Like I was like, I just need to graduate at this point. So um, that became my, my, the lesser priority. Yeah. uh, Understandably. So, yeah. So, I mean, it, for someone who has dealt with as as much anxiety as you have, is it like overwhelming at times? I mean, uh, you know, if things are picking up, if you're getting these write-ups on pitchfork, if show offers are pouring in, I imagine it's extremely exciting and extremely nerve wracking. Yeah. I mean, I was on such a, I was, I, I, you know, buy a ticket, take the ride kind of thing. So I was just on the ride. The train was moving and all I had to do was just keep up. Nothing was ideal ever in terms of how much time I had to make records, how much time I had to prepare for a tour, how I invested in the tour, practicing, rehearsing, there was no time. So a lot of growth and potential like tweaking of the formula suffered. But, um, but I just, I felt like I just had to keep going because this is all I've ever wanted really. So like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna call for a break, right. As it's getting started. Exactly. And, and is that, was that your goal in your mind? Like, I just want to write and tour and be a full-time musician. Yes. Yeah. Because at that point I had some friends that were doing that and living that lifestyle and, it was just like, to me, the ultimate. Um, and so that's what I yearned for. So pretty cool that I'm still doing it, to be honest. Like, that's not lost on me because I was very excited to have the opportunity back then. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's great. It's 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 the dream, you know? And I'm not talking about like millionaire rock star stuff. I'm talking about like, if you can do what you love and make a living, that's the dream. 
Oh, isn't it? And you know, for a while, some, it's easy to get caught up in thinking it needs to be more, more, more. And I'm such a self-critical person that holds myself to such high standards that there was a period where like, I started going, oh, my dream isn't like, my dream isn't big enough. Like I need my dream to be even bigger <laughs> than this now. Cause now that I'm doing it. And then, but then I got to a place where I got older and was like, girl, you don't need that. You like to sleep. You like to chill. Like you, you don't need your dream to be any bigger than it is. Just like, just hang and enjoy it. Yeah. You know, I try to, I try to do everything at once. And I actually tried this with this platform. I was like, I'm going to do the podcast and every night I'm not doing the podcast, I'm going to live stream and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I lasted about a week. And then I was like, I can't do this anymore. I need to sleep. I need time to just lay in bed and stare at the ceiling. I can't, I can't be moving 24 hours like that. I'm not built for it. Oh yeah. Me neither. And I think, you know what? I think some people are and yeah. let's, let's let them do it. Let's let them do it. I, you know, I have a, a a regimen of Bravo and TLC reality shows that need to be watched. And <laughs> that needs to happen more than going to overwrought functions where I like parade myself around like I'm a product. Other people can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I love to hear that. I, I spend a lot of time on Twitch and I just watch it. And that's how I unplug and turn my brain off. I, you know, I, I need that. I can't, I can't be doing something all the time where I'm constantly broadcasting to people because, you know, like I'm a performer and I like to create constantly, but I have bad anxiety like you do. So I need that time to unplug and just be away from everybody. Totally. And I think that's part of why I live in the woods is because, you know, no one's calling me to hang. You know what I mean? There's no, I don't need to go to your show. I can't go to, sorry, I can't go to your show. I'm in the woods. It's a good excuse. And it's a way for me to just like unplug and not, not have to feel that pressure to have to be performing all the time. I was thinking about that while reading about you. I was like, you know, and I was saying this to myself, if you lived in the woods, you wouldn't have to think of an excuse not to go to things and you wouldn't have to feel bad about it. You could just be like, I'm sorry, I live in the woods. Maybe next time. I built an entire lifestyle around that. Like, and, and it is kind of like going to the extreme to avoid having to confront people. But um, I'm that person and I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. <laughs> it was a great choice. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about your creative process. Let's talk about how it works nowadays because i'm sure maybe it's changed over the years how does it start do you start with a vocal melody do you start with a piano lick i mean i'm sure there's multiple ways that things start for you yeah i feel like things are evolving pretty quickly um in terms of how i create just because i'm entering a new phase of how i relate to creating in that i'm less concerned about being the one that initiates the prompt in a way or like collaborating more but generally what I do is I go down to my little home studio, turn on the computer, turn, open Logic or Ableton. I'll switch between the two to try to like um, shake up my my muscle memory because I find that when I get really used to a DAW, I'll like open it up and then I'll reach for the same tools and kind of make the same song. And so that becomes really just like monotonous. So... I'll either start with a beat, find some samples, program a beat or, or, um, key. I'll play the keys since anything that, that it's almost like a, a puzzle of trying to find the thing that 
that locks me in or that awakens me. So most of the process is quite exploratory in the beginning, really just trying to catch the fish. And then once I have a fish, that's when I really start reeling it in. And I'm like trying to develop it, understand it, try to figure out what is it that I like about the sound or the chord progression or the lyric or the melody, and then try to imagine the world that that song is in. And then once that happens, it all kind of can fall together or I get frustrated and I start over, which, which happens more (laughs) often than catching the fish. (laughs) Right. It's all part of the process. It took me a long time to realize that, but it really is. It is trial and error. Like it, it, things come when they come sometimes. Exactly. And it, it, it can come from any place. Like I've had dreams where a great song title comes to me from like something someone said. It, and it's just sometimes it comes from nowhere. It's really neat. Yeah. I even had um, a lyric come to me right as I was falling asleep one night. I was thinking in my head, sewn together as the fist of God. And then I was like, I should write that down. And so like, I woke myself up to write it down. And then it became the opening line to my song, Sewn on Archon. But like, that's so cool. It's like how these pieces come to you when you're, you're barely ready for them. And then it's like, it takes the initiative of actually going, no, I need to remember this for later. Because so many times I've thought of like, oh, I'll remember that in the morning. And it's like, I never remember it. You really need to like catch those moments because you, you, everyone is like a gift. But that gift needs to be followed, you know, like you need to do the work afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes when you write that stuff down, it's completely nonsensical too. Like that happened to me. I I wrote something down in my phone notes because I thought it was funny or clever. I had a dream about, I was talking about Parmesan cheese and heroin in the dream. And I was like, you can't maintain a habit and Parmesan cheese. And then I woke up and I read that and I was like, what the hell am I talking about? So uh, that one... <laughs> That one got deleted. You never know. You know, you can always work it in something. You can start a, a, a sketch, mu- like sketch comedy music side project. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrible. I'm not going to do that at all. <laughs> 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 so let's talk about your new album. We have Archon coming out June 24th on Sacred Bones. And folks, there's four singles out right now. Into the Wild, The Fall. Desire and Lost, I have heard them all, and I love them all, especially Desire. I mean, to be able to do what you do, Nika, and just you and a piano and playing these songs and this music that makes a random guy who lives across the country in Brooklyn feel all these feelings, it must it must be the Aww. best. It's, it's hard to even understand, you know, because we're all so atomized that, like, it's hard to know one's impact anymore, really. Like, it's it's weird, you know? And it, But but at the same time, it's like, I yearn for that. I yearn for that connection. Like, as an introvert who feels more comfortable, like, in the woods, like, being outnumbered bears to humans or whatever, like, connecting with other humans about things that are extremely, like, profound and um, fundamental to me. That's why that's like the real beauty of music and why I make music. It's like just to feel that connective tissue that binds us all together in the ways that like where when it really counts, you know, and that's so, yeah, I mean, I live for it, but also I have no idea what's going on and who's out there some half the time. (laughs) (laughs) And Lord knows I'm not going to look at the YouTube comments (laughs) to figure it out. 
Do you ever look at that stuff? I I don't think I would because well, if I got the number of comments that I'm sure you do, I I probably wouldn't look at it because I'm just too sensitive. I can't handle any criticism or anything else. Yeah, I mean, I don't get that many comments, but um, if I do get a negative one, that I don't know. I at this point with this music, where I am in my my life and my career. No one can tell me anything about the music that will change the way that I think about it or feel about it. So if I do hear criticism, which I do, it's almost like it's on them. Like the fact that you're even willing to criticize this music, that's on you. It's not on me. It's not, that's not my fault that you feel that way. It's your fault. Like I delivered a, I delivered a great product that I believe in and that's extremely pure from my heart. So if you're finding problems with it, like can't help you. I can't help you. I'm sorry. No, that's a healthy attitude. And that's, that's where I'm at with everything basically too. Like I saw this Instagram account and the guy was posting record reviews, but like all the reviews were bad. And I was like, why would you take the time to listen to these records and post about them to tell everyone that you don't like them? It seems counterproductive. I don't know. Well, it's because he hates himself, and that's the real reason. People only do that when they <laughs> hate themselves. It gives them power, see, to be able to take this piece of work that someone has spent, you know, potentially their entire lives up to that moment to create this work of art. And they so vulnerably, with so much humility, deliver it to you. And then you rip it apart because you can. Because it's like you're treating it like it's a Funko Pop or it's like a brand or it's like an Apple product and it's like art doesn't work that way. But some people need to tear things apart that are brave so they can feel more powerful than that expression, which is sad. It's very sad. And I think it's unnecessary, but again, that's on them. No, you're absolutely right. And I used to be one of those guys when I was young, cause I, I did not like myself very much and I wanted to be involved with things and I wasn't. And, you know, now that I've come through all that and I'm on the other side of it, I can see like, oh, that's what you were doing. You were thrashing about because you were upset with many things. Oh, yeah. I've projected a lot in my life and it took me a long time to go, oh, that was about me, what I was saying about that person or whatever. I'm just like, whoops, okay. (laughs) Sometimes it takes like getting to 30 to figure that out, but that's okay. We're all human. (laughs) Exactly. At least we got there. Right? Seriously. So I want to talk about this new album and and some of the wonderful videos you've made and everything. Now, you traveled to Turkey to make the video for Lost, yes? Yes. Okay. And now this was written, directed, and edited and shot on location in the Cappadocia area of Turkey by, am I saying this right, Mutunk? Yes. It's a great video. I love the location and everything about it. How, How do you decide on this location? What's the inspiration? Tell us about some of it. Oh, I'm so happy to talk about it. It was such a great experience. Um, so I made the record Archon with with Randall Dunn, who is a musician, and he's also a producer. Um, and he made a record a couple years ago, and his his old friend Mu Tunk made some videos for him. They were so beautiful. I was like, I want to work with that guy. And so I got in touch with Mu. <laughs> And um, he was just a, just a delight to work with and to connect with. You know, we really understood each other. He has a big heart. And um, we started talking about ideas. And 
we triangulated onto Cappadocia, which is this part of Turkey where there are these um, naturally formed caves that people have like um, escaped persecution and hid out in and made cities in and all of that. Um, and he was going there. He was about to go there in like a week or two because his hotel had invited him Argos and Cappadocia to, um, I always say it's either Cappadocia or Cappadocia, depending on like what your translation is. So I'm, I just like, uh, oscillate between the two. So he went there and it was incredible. He had a great experience and they were in the hotel said, come out and shoot your video. You can use like our locations. And, um, it was really like a once in a lifetime opportunity, everything, all the stars aligned. Um, it seemed insane to go to Turkey for a music video during COVID, but my desire for this video to be fulfilled in that way was too strong. So I got on the plane, spent a couple days in, in the area in Cappadocia at the hotel. It was surreal. I felt like it was just beyond, beyond what I could have imagined in terms of the atmosphere, the environment, the, the vibes, the, the historical, the vibes, the ghosts, the energy, the, spirit of that place was just like so insane so mostly for me it was more about capturing that cat almost like a travel diary a travelogue like going to this place feeling charged by the environment and capturing that more than doing anything with the space it's like letting the space tell the story so um magical time magical shoots and magical collaboration with moo and um so happy i did that yeah, it's incredible. I mean, the video looks great. You look great. The costumes and just everything. It must be so fantastic to not only go to this place and like take some pictures to post or whatever, but like you're creating art there and art that you get to put out into the world. And it's it's your music over these beautiful locales. I mean, it just it must be the best thing ever. Thanks. Yeah. You know, like as I've kind of made my peace with my dreams you know, and not wanting the, like, the American big dream, but wanting, like, a bigger big dream. And my big dream is, like, to really, truly embody the spiritual components of art making and art in general, where it's, like, my, I want, I feel like we're starved of so much in this modern world that I feel like I have a responsibility to embody the things that I feel like we're missing, and through that, I get to experience like what it means to divine, like not to sound woo, but like just to, to understand like the, the real spiritual essence of art and, and to really enjoy that. And so being in that space and being able to make something and give to the world that for me feels larger than life, like this space, the, the Cappadocia is larger than life and its role in history is so magnificent. And to impress that onto like, modern people is something that I feel like really proud to be able to do. And it's, it's fueled me in my art. And that's like, Archon is all about that too, in a way. So that's, that's that. Yeah. I mean, it must've inspired a whole bunch of stuff. It looked otherworldly over there. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, yeah, it inspired me so much. Also, um, just the historical, um, the history of that area. It's like the Gnostics, hit out in Cappadocia and the Gnostics were a big inspiration on my record among so many other persecuted groups throughout history. There was a monastery in, in the caves. Um, there also 
one of my favorite movies, Medea, Pasolini's Medea, starring Maria Callas, was shot there as well. So like throughout history, there's all these people that, that have been to that area that are so inspiring to me that it was like becoming one of them as well it was so cool. That is cool. So what, when you're filming, do you have like a whole crew there and stuff? Or are there random people walking by being like, hey, what's going on here? It was pretty dead because it was off season. It was it was winter. There was snow, which we weren't expecting. Um, and it was kind of like a rogue shoot. So it was it was me. It was Moo. It was both of our partners and um, a cameraman. So it was very low key, very low key shoot because you can't have that many people around anyway, because we were like in caves the whole time. It's really hard to navigate with a lot of people. That's good. Yeah. But like for my last band, I did a, I got my friend to do a promo shot and I was like, we have to do it in the practice space because I'm too nervous to go outside. I don't want people to like make fun of me or anything. I can't handle it. Oh, I know. I can't feel weird, (laughs) but you know what? You can take comfort in knowing if you're ever feeling that way, just go to the Instagram account influencers and influencers in the wild and, and take comfort <laughs> in the fact that every single modern human right now is taking pictures of themselves or having t- pictures taken of themselves, like regardless of the fact that they actually need the photos for press or not. So <laughs> you know, <laughs> that account is good. It's funny seeing them like not, you know, through another frame and just how silly it looks. It really puts in things into perspective quite quickly. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually respect it, you know, like to the people who just don't care or they just power through it. Like I, you know, I take pictures like, you know, like photography of landscapes and whatnot, just through my phone. It's like a little fun hobby that I like to do. I used to be so self-conscious that I wouldn't even take a picture because I'm like, oh, I don't want someone to see me taking a picture. Uh, they'll think I'm lame. And I, that level of self-consciousness, I think, is just wild. Oh, yeah. No one cares. No one cares. Yeah. Everyone, no one's thinking about you. Everyone's just thinking about themselves. Like, come be real. Be real. <laughs> you know what? The, exactly. That's my mantra right now. And it works. Believe me. Oh, it, it's gotten me through a lot of anxious moments. So uh, the latest single, Into the Wild. Now, said, you said you wrote this about the end of a relationship. And I was doing some research on you, Nika. And you said, this song in particular became a beacon for me. And that you are grateful to have music as an outlet to help you navigate difficult periods. And I really felt you on that, you know, I'm so happy that I have the creative outlets that I do right now because I'm doing them. They can't end unless I stop them. And last year was a horrible year for me. I went through a bad breakup and there was uh, there was a lot of stuff to deal with. After that, I felt really alone. Uh, I was depressed. I didn't eat. Even eating was depressing because we used to make meals together with her and her daughter. And it was this whole thing. And it was really difficult to work through. But I did. So talk about some of your process, what you dealt with, how you got through it, and how it influenced the music. Well, congrats on getting through that because that sucks. Yes. I've been there too, um, as you mentioned. So... um, after my last record of Kobe came out, basically my entire life changed seemingly overnight. I lost a relationship with a manager. That was my first manager that was very important to me. Um, and then I went through a divorce. Um, and it kind of seemed to all happen within the span of like six months. Um, and other people like abruptly left as well. And so um, th- throughout my adult life, 
I was so used to having all these people in my life. They were my sounding boards. They helped give me a sense of security and stability. And when they went away, I felt like I had nothing anymore. Like I felt like I was a baby, like a brand new baby. (laughs) And so I needed to rebuild myself from the inside out because all I had was myself in those moments. And that was like a really leveling Saturn return type period where I had to face a lot of, you know, a, a lot of my shadow, you know, I had to do a lot of shadow work. And through that, like, it was definitely like a necessary, incredibly transformational, important time of my life that allowed me to grow in ways that I couldn't have before. And for that, I'm very thankful. But in those moments, I barely thought I would make it through the day. Like I had no idea what tomorrow would feel like. And um, I wanted to make, write a song that reflected that energy, that feeling that I was going through at the time, because it was so strange. So Into the Wild is one of the songs that um, just tries to encapsulate that feeling of like just being stuck in, you're floating in the air and you don't know when everything's just going to fall, you know, and you're going to fall back to the ground and like, if things going to get worse, <laughs> you know, you don't know because everything's <laughs> so unknown. So that was, yeah, that was what that song was about. It was really healing for me and listening to it to this day it still kind of gives gives me little like twinges of oof, memories um flashbacks of that feeling that time which i can say i'm on the other side of now which is awesome because i remember writing in my little journal like i can't wait to be on the other side of this and to be able to look back and to know that it's over and it's just like girl you made it it's over you're good now it's okay yeah because when you're in it you at least for me i don't realize i'm in it so much and i'm like I'm just sinking and I'm like, God, why can't things be the way they used to? Or why can't things be the way I want them to be? And I, I forget that, you know, you just have to start over and work your way through this. And there will be another side. It may not be exactly what you want, but you'll come out on the other side of it and you'll come out on it stronger. And I've heard you say that, like, you need to go through these things to build a thicker skin and grow as a person. Because if you're if you're just in the same place all the time, then you know, you're never going to evolve. You're never going to grow. You're never going to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like at this point, I've started to realize that a huge part of my life and what gives me drive to keep going is this, um, the, the curiosity in discovery, discovering new parts of your, yourself, discovering new parts of the world, like having a deeper relationship to everything and everyone. Like, but through that, you have to go through so much gunk and chaos and, and darkness but that's, it's like working out, you know, if you work out, you've got to break muscle in order to build it. So with anything, you know, there, there must be destruction, there must be a level of destruction in order to regrow. Um, so that's what I keep telling myself because my life keeps hitting moments of chaos that I can't control. So why not make it a thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel you on that. That's, you know, that's why I always say, you know, like right now I'm in a good period. Things are happening things are great. I feel great. So I always say, I'm going to enjoy the good times while they last, because I know some other shit is going to come up that I'm going to have to deal with. But hopefully I'll remember last year and be like, hey, you're going to be okay. As long as you're alive and you keep moving forward, you're going to be all right. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's what also made me really just feel at peace with like, not feeling like I need to constantly be reaching for some next whatever, because it's like, I know that things can get way worse. Like I, that's not lost on me anymore. Like I got, like, I, like I got a lot to lose. Like I need to be grateful for every moment because like 
things can can just upheaval can happen before you know it and so you really just have to enjoy every moment exactly and you've got a lot to be happy about right now you've got this wonderful house in wisconsin you've got a bear visiting you you've got this new album coming out it's all happening yeah i'm very i'm very happy i feel very very happy and i honestly i deserve it after the past four years of my life goodness (laughs) <laughs> oh god i need i need a break i need a break <laughs> you know what i'm i'm actually happy to hear you say i deserve it i don't do that enough like i don't i don't give myself enough credit you know i was i was walking with a friend and we went to this art gallery and he's introducing me he's like hey keith is a musician i'm like yeah i play he's like no he writes he records he's performed and i was like you know i should start doing that like i need to sell myself better well, you've also got to sell yourself to yourself, you know, because yeah, we're we're taught in America in this like American highly late stage capitalist frame of mind that we're not worth anything except what our value is in the market, and we're not allowed to rest, and we're not allowed to be grateful for what we have, because we always need to have more and acquire more. And so, I am a quite an anti-authoritarian. So I'm I see that, and I go, you know what? No, I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to enjoy what I have. I'm going to be grateful for it. And I'm only going to work as much as I have to. (laughs) I'm not going to work more. (laughs) Because I'm sticking it to the man. That, I'm right there with you on that. Because what's the point of running yourself ragged if you're just going to be working all the time? You know, like, like, okay, you can be like, you could be a billionaire, but if you're just working all the time, then, then it's not worth it. I want to work just enough to have things and be happy and be producing and that's it you know i need some time for me i need some time to watch twitch or in your case uh watch bravo shows yeah 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 i mean think about elon musk billionaire one of the richest people in the world so much power so much going on very busy guy but you know what he's tweeting all day long so he's doing exactly what i can do i can do that too i can tweet all day too so you're basically it's like he's he's on the phone He's probably on a very similar phone to what we all have, and he's doing the same thing everyone else is doing, even though he's the richest man in the world. It's like, or like I think about Kanye had to get a shot in his thumb because he had really bad um, like tendonitis or arthritis from texting to the point where I'm like, (laughs) man, you're texting that much? Like, put your phone down, like go outside, go on a walk, go hang out with my bear. Like he's chill. Like we got a bear for you here. Like you don't need to be texting all day. Like how depressing does that sound? Well, first of all, if you're a billionaire, you're not doing any work. You're not doing any real work. You're just not, especially Elon Musk. And the tragic thing about him is that for everything he has, all he really wants is to be accepted by Twitter and no one will do it. And I kind of love that. Yeah. I mean, it's a real, uh, it's a real, um, revenge of the nerds moment where you can tell all he wants is to feel some sort of sense of acceptance or validation or like, okay, you're cool. Like, will you let, let us all leave now? Like he's like holding us hostage until we tell him he's cool and he believes it. It's like, God damn, how many, how many millions of people do you need to tell you you're cool before you just like, let us go? Yeah, there's enough Cinco fans out there for him, I think, that tell him he's cool, like the Elon bros and all that. So that should be enough, I think. It should be. But these people, they're insatiable because the the dream is never big enough. They're, it's it's right. 
there's always a bigger dream. You're caught in the Maya. You're caught in samsara. You're you're walking around like a hungry ghost trying to absorb the world because nothing's enough for you. It's like, dude, I'd hate to be you. That sounds like horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ascend. Like, I'm over this. I'm over the Maya. Like, get me out of here. <laughs> do you have to deal with any of that? Like, do you have pressure from yourself or anyone else to be like, hey, you should do this extra stuff or you should push it to this extra level? No, because I pushed myself and everyone around me for long enough and failed to realize that that doesn't actually do anything. So like no one pushes me. I push them all and I push myself the hardest, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't do anything more. And we're all just tired and feeling unfulfilled at the end of the day. So it's like, I basically made a choice where I'm going to give you what I got. And if, and if you like it, that's great. If you really like it, that's awesome. That'll make me feel awesome. But it, it, you know what? I'm fine. I'm fine either way because it's, it's not worth that amount of energy in the end. You're just spinning your wheels. And who is it for? It's for you at the end of the day. And like, again, the Elon Musk thing, it's like, how much do you need to feel like like your life is worth living? Like at what point are you just doing, is it excessive? No, that's a good point. That's a good point. I try to ground myself. I think I need to get to this level or I need to reach this height, but it's, it's really like, you know, more stuff, more outside stuff like that is just, it's just not going to make you feel any different. It's not. No. And all you have to do is more interviews. Let's be real. Let's think about <laughs> that. Like what, how do you get there? You have to just do more stuff you don't want to do. You're not doing more stuff you do want to do. That's for sure. It's like to get to that level, you've got to like grind and you've got to work the room and you've got to like put on your happy face and you've got to perform. And because it's a con game, I think at some level it gets to be this con game and then you get accepted into the tribe and then they're like, okay, you're one of us. So now you get to go to all of the functions or whatever. But, um, but you got to really want it, I think, to get there. Otherwise, just be happy with what you have because the fact that any of us can do this, the world's going to end soon anyway. So why make it even harder for yourself? Exactly. I mean, I hope the world doesn't end because things are pretty good right now. But you know what? In case it does, I'm going to enjoy right now. I have to. That's all we got. Exactly. Well, the world can't end before June 24th because the world needs to hear Archon, right? I would agree. I would agree. And I certainly hope yeah. the, the world will, will not end before then um, or after. But, you know, at least let's make it let's make it a couple more weeks so we can get Archon into people and get them prepared for what's to come, which is the, the great unknown. Is there a lot of promotion and podcasts and all kinds of interviews to do? How are you holding up? I'm good. Yeah, it was a little hard in the beginning because um, I was dealing with like some family health issues. And so I was like basically doing having a caregiving role at the same time as like trying to promote the record. But that's since kind of um, ended. And so it's good. I'm, you know, it's all about balance, though. So I just try to keep everything as balanced as possible. And how did you fare during the whole pandemic thing? I mean, music shut down, right? We No one knew what the hell was going on. I was selling NFTs like it was it was true chaos. Um yeah, it was actually, I'm super grateful to have had Patreon. That got me through. Deeply, deeply appreciative of that community for helping support me during a time when I needed it the most. Um, but, you know, I was in the woods, so I was in a bunker, basically. Uh, COVID, never heard of her, you know, not leaving the house anyway. <laughs> the only problem is not being able to tour and make music 
my record was on hold and everything. So that was hard, but all good. Yeah. So how far do you have to drive to like go get food or are you out in the forest foraging? How does it work? <laughs> I do that too. It's <laughs> ramp season here. Um, no, my, I have a good grocery store, like 10 minutes away. And then there's another city like 20 minutes away. And then Minneapolis is like three hours away. Madison is three hours away. So three hours to like go to a show or something, but like 10 minutes to get food, groceries. That's good. Can you get any food delivered? Like every meal I order is through Uber Eats. Yeah, no, definitely not. It's so funny. I was like looking at getting maybe pickups at some place nearby, but it's like pizza or it's like a truck stop diner or it's just <laughs> like food adjacent. Like it's, it's like food, but like faux food. It's kind of like real desperado out here. So I cook every night. <laughs> which is probably nice, but I like that. I I'm, I need to start doing that. I think the last time I cooked was last year. You know, I realized I had a real problem when uh, a bottle of dish soap lasted me five years. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I mean, to be fair, when I go to New York, I only go to Uber Eats. I only do like Uber Eats or, or stuff like seamless. Cause like, I don't necessarily like going out, but I love food and I love to eat. And like New York is like, has amazing delivery. You can get anything delivered, especially now. So I'm with you. Yeah, there's just so many options here. It's a beautiful thing. So let's talk about what we have coming up. Now, of course, we have Archon coming out on June 24th. So we have to pick that up, right? We want to buy a physical copy, yes? Of course. And you know what? There are so many exclusive variants. Select indie retailers, and I'm sure that you can find a list of them somewhere on my website. Or just get it from, from me. But yeah, vinyl, whatever. I don't even know if I did CDs this time. I don't think I did. Yeah, whatever's out there, folks, buy it. We have to support Nika. We just have to. Oh, thank you. What about, uh, what about touring? I'm sure you have a lot of touring coming up, right? Yes. I am doing a tour with The Cult coming up in July. And then I have a headline show in August in L.A. And then I'll be doing an American headline tour and European tour in... Um, late this year, early next year. So I will be on the road. Well, we're going to have to get out there and catch you. That's awesome. By the way, I was researching you, and do you realize you're label mates with John Carpenter? That's so cool. Of course, the one and only. Yeah. I did a remix for him, actually, which I'm really proud of. Really? Yeah. I have to go check that out. Did you ever see him live? I actually caught his... Uh, his show live and it, it was just really unbelievable to see him perform those tunes live yes i did see him live and it was incredible i was like grinning the entire time my face hurt afterwards from smiling because it was just <laughs> so fun and just like so charged like i was like yeah it was so good <laughs> <laughs> i love that okay so nika i just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show tonight you know i love everything that you do I'm looking forward to the new record, and thank you. It's, just, it's been great talking to you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. There you have it, folks. Nika Danilova. Excellent conversation. It was really, really great to talk to Nika 
It was great to hear about her process, you know, getting started, just sitting there with Audacity and Ableton and keyboards and learning to do this thing from the ground up. It was great to hear about her artistic process. It was great to hear about the new album and that incredible trip to Turkey. And, you know, she's just a massively talented and super nice person to talk to. I'm really looking forward to the new album, and I'm just happy that I had the opportunities to speak to her. So, Nika, thank you so much. That was fantastic. All right, folks, so let's check in. How are we doing? How are we doing? I can tell you how I'm doing. I'm doing fantastic. This has been an insane work week, one of those weeks where I'm working from the time I get up until 8 o'clock at night. And then I shut that down and work on the podcast, but I'm almost through it. Tomorrow is the last day, and then uh, I'll be back to somewhat of a more normal schedule. Uh, I've been working on new music, and I hope that that band can be announced really soon. And you know, with this band, it's a lot different. It's a three-piece, which I haven't done before. Musically, it's something I haven't quite done before, and that's very exciting. And just the writing process has taught me a lot about working with others. You know, my friends in the band, the way we write, usually I'm used to just writing everything on guitar and then everybody kind of puts things on top of that. But we write a little differently. We all just kind of contribute and build things that way. It's, it's, It's a new process for me. I'm getting used to it. I'm getting used to working with others in a band context again, but... I love what we're doing, and it's taught me you just got to stick with it. You know, some practices, you don't really make much progress. Some practices, it's fantastic, and you really push things forward. You just have to stay in the process. You know, it's like Nika talked about. Like, sometimes she builds and puts together all these pieces for a song and has to scrap the whole thing and start over from the beginning. But you rebuild, eventually you get there, and the process is complete and moves forward. So I'm happy to be in this process, creating music again. And if it gets to the point where I can announce it and share some songs with all of you, that's going to be really exciting. So I am in it. I am in it. I am in the process and I will continue forward. Also, let me take a moment to recognize some friends of the show. Jamie Lauren from Friend Club Records. He reposts us every week and helps get the word out. Thank you so much, Jamie. Kevin Weissman Sellers, a.k.a. Life from Loam. He reposts us every week and is a regular listener. Thank you, Kevin. Simon, a.k.a. Downbeat Vinyl. He has been going through and listening to every episode of the show. And I love that because, honestly, that's how I started this show. I found a podcast that I really liked. I went back and listened to every episode of the show. And I was like, hey, I like what these guys are doing. Let me try to do what they're doing. It's great to relive the show through somebody else's ears. I love that. And Simon even made a special New Scene Recommends section in his record collection. And you know what? From someone who's gotten a lot of flack over the years for his musical taste, me, this means a lot. That means a whole lot. Thank you so much for your support, Simon. Liam Gates. He wrote and said, I've been listening to your podcast since the Tim Barry episode and I've listened to loads since then. The Brian McTurnan episode was just as good. Thank you, Liam. And Jackson wrote us and said, thanks for the Adam McGrath interview. Caven were my intro to hardcore as well, and you asked all of the questions I've always wanted to ask. 
Thank you, everybody, so much who listens to us. Thank you, everybody, so much who supports us. You're great. You make this thing possible. Thank you. There's some new and exciting things coming up in the world of the new scene, so stay tuned for that. Some new things for the show, some changes, some good changes. Can't announce anything yet, but there's more coming, folks. There's always more coming from the new scene. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. We've got an excellent all-star lineup of guests coming up. We have new and exciting guest co-hosts coming up. We'll be here every week and sometimes more than once in a week. We've got some bonus episodes coming up. There's all kinds of crazy things going on here at the new scene, folks. You wouldn't even believe it. You wouldn't even believe it if I told you. So you can always get in touch with me at newscenepod at iodinerecords.com. Reach out to me. I'm here. I will be here every week and sometimes more than once a week. And uh, that's it. We're back next week with a new episode and a new guest. So thanks everybody for listening and until next time. Yeah!